Thank you for tuning into this week's message from Freedom Church CO in Woodland Park, Colorado. If you want to know more about us, you can visit freedomchurchco.com or follow us on social media at Freedom Church CO. So we are going to um, pick back up from last week. Pastor Joe taught on humility. And this is going to be part two, and we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 11 in, I think, a scripture reference that I don't think I've ever heard anybody else teach on humility from this, but it is so good, and I'm going to let you kick it off, and yeah, let's do it. Father, I thank you for your word, and it's life-changing, and God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would... um, Give us revelation and that we would hear specifically from you what it is that you're speaking to us and we would humble ourselves and allow you to make changes in our lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Yeah. You know, something else I was going to say when I was sharing that note too was in, what is it, three weeks, July 9th, we're celebrating our five years. So we're going to have a, I'm just a reminder and I'm sure there'll be probably a video and some other reminders, but. Man, I just, five years, what? (laughs) It's pretty crazy. So Matthew 11, 29 from the New Living. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. And this is Jesus speaking to us. Humility will cause you to desire to teach others that are willing to learn what you know, and I'm going to read that scripture again. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. How many of you like to, like to tell people what, what you've learned? What, I mean, that's what this is about, and we just we want to help people to teach you what we've learned. Yeah, I got a lot more to learn. How many, how many of you can say you got more to learn? All right. That, see, that was humility. All you guys raising your hand. Praise God. I want to read it from the Passion. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. How many of you believe that? Easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. I love that phrase. Join my life, join your life, or I'm sorry, join my life, your life with mine. He wants a relationship, typo. Yeah, he wants a relationship with you. A relationship with you. More than just praying when you need something. But how many of you know that's okay, right? Relationship is having a conversation all the time with Jesus, asking him questions, telling him your desires, thanking him for those things that he has done for you, and expecting more. How many of you are expecting? All right. You know, when you have that relationship with him and you believe that he's good and he's gentle and he's humble and that he's easy to please, man, you're not going to have a problem coming to him and asking him for something and, and expecting to receive it. It's, it's We get messed up in our thinking sometimes, thinking, but I haven't lived my life perfectly. Well, welcome to the club. I try, but, you know, but we just keep coming back to him. Lord, forgive me. 
and then I need this or that or, or healing or whatever it might be. It's Romans 2, 4. It's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. And when you believe that he's good, you'll run to him and not from him. Amen? And that, that's humility also. Humility is believing what he says in his word, right? Amen. Learn my ways. How do we learn his ways? By reading the word, right? I, want, I also want to read this from the Amplified Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quiet for your souls. How many of you want that? Man, just need to be able to rest. How many of you, I I looked up in a commentary what a yoke was. And then, and, and so I'm going to tell you, but then, and maybe all of you know, but then also if you look up a picture of this, man, it really helps. So a yoke was made of wood with two hollowed out sections on the bottom portion that rested on the necks of oxen that were used to plow or to draw a cart. Figuratively, a yoke symbolized servitude or submission. Jesus was admonishing us to submit ourselves to him, for true rest comes from serving him, not ourselves. And so when you got these two oxen beside each other, and I, and I read some other stuff and looked up some things, and then this thing goes across them, and it's over both their necks. And like one, one thing that I was reading, like if one of them is a younger oxen, it's got a little more energy, or it's, it's fired up, or wants to try to get ahead, it can't get ahead of the other one. It's got to stay submitted one to another, right? And that's how we, we, we want to be yoked with him, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm picturing, is Amanda my trainer in here tonight? I saw um, Eric, but I don't, Amanda, if you're in here, raise your hand. Okay, hopefully you're watching online because here's what I see or hear when I hear yoke. <laughs> We had to do our CrossFit outside Thursday in the squelching heat. Thank you, Hannah and Amanda. And our yoke looked like this. It was this big metal contraption that had a bar right here. And then in front of that bar was where they put 6,000 pounds of weights. And me and another girl had to get down at the same level, she beside me, and we had to push this thing on the parking lot gravel. And we had to stay in sync or else the thing wouldn't move. (laughs) So the point in this is, and this is so beautiful as far as why Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you because I'm not going to give you more than you can bear, because he literally gets right down there with us, right where we're at in our journey, in our walk, in our faith, in our trust, and he's like looking right at us, eye to eye, and he's like, come on, we can do this, right where we're at, and then he doesn't just say, hey, I'm waiting on you. He's like, come on, let's go, and then the two of us get down there, and we push that thing, and we walk, and we walk, and what he does by his anointing and his grace and his love, 
he all of a sudden imparts his strength, his grace to us. And we think we're, we're doing really good, but all of a sudden, man, we notice we're going faster and we're getting stronger. And he's saying, come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you places you've never been. Come on, I'm going to take you up higher now. Come on, I'm going to show you that you're, that you're stronger than you think you are. Because he's humble in heart. He's good. I just heard a story this afternoon. How many of you have ever heard of uh, Nikki Oshinsky? She was one of the first healing journeys that Andrew's ministry impacted her life. And she was miraculously healed. Um, she was bedridden when she was like, a, I think, a teenager. It's Nikki Weller now. So if you want to look her up online, she's on healing journeys today with the uh, Hartmans their ministry. But anyway, so she speaks weekly. And the, I saw this um, title on YouTube that caught my attention. And it said, if I believe in healing, then why do I wear glasses? <laughs> I was like, hmm, I want to listen to that. <laughs> so I clicked on it and I'm listening to her. And I mean, if, and I'm just telling you, if you have any questions at all, or if anyone has ever questioned you, about where you're at in your journey of faith to where it either made you feel a little bit ashamed, teeny bit guilty, or a lot embarrassed, or maybe a little bit like a hypocrite, or I don't know, maybe it just struck you in a way that it made pride just rise up on the inside of you like, yeah, you know, uh, well, uh, who are you to ask me why? I'm, you know what I'm talking? Like, it could, it could just have a whole gamut of emotions if, if you're just not where you want to be yet in your own healing journey. So I'm listening to her talk, and she literally says, you know, my answer is really simple. She said, I've been wearing glasses since I was a little girl in school, and the teacher and my parents all of a sudden noticed that I couldn't see the chalkboard or I couldn't see the, you know, the math equation on the board. And so from a little girl, I was wearing glasses, like since I can remember. Then I get up into my adulthood life and um, I wear glasses all my life till I meet my husband. And my husband gives me a gift of LASIK surgery. And I went and got that surgery and it was amazing. It was the freakiest thing she said she ever did more than any other um, medical thing that's ever happened. Or she was like, that was crazy, them, you know, operating on her eyeballs. But she was able to go 10 years without glasses. But all of a sudden she said she was walking around her house one day after her second child. And she's like, telling her husband, we need like some new drapes in this house and our TV, like we need a new TV. And I don't know what's going on, but everything just looks dark and dingy in this house and all at once. And we need to do something about everything all at once. He's like, you know what, babe? <laughs> I think you need to get your eyes checked. So sure enough, she goes back to the doctor, eye doctor, and he's like, yeah, after two kids and 10 years of that LASIK surgery, a lot of times people have to, you know, have glasses again or some kind of help with their eyesight. So she got glasses. And so it's been a few years now that she's been wearing glasses again. And people have been asking her because she's her message. One of her primary messages is that Jesus still heals today. And so then Nikki why are you wearing glasses? If he healed you and got you up out of your bedridden state, why hasn't he healed your eyes? And she said this. Oh, it was so simple, so gracious. She was so humble. She said, because scripture says, as a person or a man thinks in his heart, 
So is he. And she said, the simple truth is this. I, I see myself as a gal who wears glasses. When I picture myself on the inside, I see Nikki who wears glasses. And she said, but am I going to be satisfied with that? And am I going to stop there and settle there? Nah, absolutely not. She said, but I went to the Lord with it, she said, and said, why? You know, okay, so man, forgive me, Lord. This is how I picture myself as a gal who wears glasses on the inside. She's like, I could talk it away. I could think it away. I know all the scriptures and the promises, but in my heart, on the inside, this is how I see myself. So what do I do about this, Jesus? And he said, just come in closer to me. Learn more of me. Come in closer every day to my heart. We're going to walk through this. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. And there is going to come a time where, boom, your eyes, you're going to see yourself without those glasses on the inside. Then it's going to take place on the outside. How beautiful of a relationship with Jesus is that? No guilt, no condemnation, no pointing the finger and accusation. Just learn of me, walk with me. I will show you how to live freely and lightly, Matthew 11. How many of y'all want that type of a relationship with Jesus right there? Amen. That's humility. And, and I'm so proud of her. Like, she's doing this thing a few days a week, and these girls are like... I'm They're like, brutal. She, I tell her she's trying to keep up with me, but... So good. And that's why I dressed up tonight. I'm trying to keep up with her. So you know it happens every once in a while. But yeah. <laughs> uh, true rest comes from serving Jesus, not sitting around doing nothing. So, so don't get confused here. When we are serving ourselves, we always have to come up with a plan of our own and come up with all the steps to make it happen. Ever been there? Ever done that? If something unexpected happens, then we have to come up with a solution to solve the mess to our plan. Got real quiet in here. <laughs> it's true, right? I'm trying to help. Oh, gosh. How many of you have done this? I've been there. <laughs> uh, the only real solution is to die to ourselves, I'll walk away from our plans, and be yoked to Jesus. And so if you're in the middle of something and you've spent like $500,000 in three years and you realize this isn't God, man, just, okay, make it go away, head this direction, follow him, and watch what he does to to, man, he, he's not surprised by it, right? And he can turn things around and, and fix our mess. Thank you, God. Luke twenty two forty two from the Passion. Remember, we're talking about humility here. Father, if you are willing, take this cup of agony away from me. But hear this. Remember, this is our Jesus. But no matter what, your will must be mine. His will must be ours. Then if something isn't going right or something unforeseen happens, Jesus is obligated to provide whatever is necessary to solve the problem we're facing. And he will do it. 
We're, we are, we're, we're walking on his path. We're doing what he wants us to do. And, and whatever, whatever happens that we didn't see coming, he's like, I've got you. You're doing what I'm asking you to do. I will provide what is necessary. So if you're at a place maybe in your life even now, and you're thinking, man, things are not looking right. Things are not going right. There, there's an issue here. But you know you're doing what God wants you to do. Jesus, help. That's a great prayer. It's worked for me many times. <laughs> oh, she's heard me pray that prayer a lot of times. Thank you, Father. It's no longer up to us. So in this is how we rest, knowing he's got us. Just obey when he shows us what each step is. And that is how we rest while we're working, while we're doing what he's asking us to do, knowing, okay, yeah, I can be moving, I can be putting my hands to something, but I can be resting on the inside knowing I'm doing what he wants me to do. Amen? True humility is doing what he asks of us and trusting him in the process of the fulfillment of whatever that might be. And even like that word that I was reading to you guys from 2016 is where I'm, I, I, was, I was having to be humble in the process of knowing here we are in Tulsa. We're supposed to go back to Woodland Park someday and plant a church. And man, I just had to... I had to keep trusting in him. I had to keep resting in him. I had to keep saying yes to him, even though we were, what, 600 miles the wrong direction from being here. It wasn't always easy. I'm just going to be honest with you. It wasn't always easy. And then in three weeks, we celebrate five years. So, what I'm, so it is always worth it. I, I say it all the time, don't quit. It's always, always, always worth it. True humility, yeah, I read this part, but I'm going to read it one more time. True humility is doing what he asks of us and trusting him in the process of the fulfillment of whatever that might be. This is so contrary to the, to the world's ways of how to prosper in this life and for rest it is to turn to a substance like drugs, alcohol, to be inebriated so they can relax. And that's, that's the life that I used to live because I was so miserable. I didn't know how to rest. And resting, it, I, I mean, part of resting is going to sleep, but we, we should be able to rest in this life while we're awake doing lots of things that God has us doing. We're resting on the inside. We're not stressed out. We're not under feeling like we're under a, uh, a tremendous amount of pressure. Man, take his yoke. He absolutely loves us so much. It's just saying yes, saying yes. We should live a life of rest and peace while working hard, fulfilling God's plan, which is always more than we can ask, think, or imagine for our lives. I want to read Ephesians 3.20 from the Passion. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. And that's what we got to remember is his mighty power working in us to accomplish what he's asking us to do. And sometimes we can, 
man, through that process, end up trying to do something on our own. And that's where we get stretched out. That's where we get messed up. That's where things can start going crazy, right? He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. How many of you have requests and you're dreaming about things, okay? And exceed your wildest imagination. How many of you can imagine some pretty wild things? All right. (laughs) He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. But you're not going to be energized by his miraculous power, even though he's living on the inside of you and you have access to it, if you're not in relationship with him and you're not believing and constantly drawing from that and you're not spending time in the word and spending time in the prayer and spending time praying in the spirit, which I've been doing for a lot of years and still don't understand it, but Man, it it works. So much of the time we're like, I mean, I, I, you know, people want you to explain it to them or whatever. I do, I do my best, but I'm just like, just receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled and pray in the Spirit and, and keep your head out of it. Faith, your, your brain will never like faith, but it's impossible to please God without faith. And so... If it's impossible to please God without faith, he's given us the ability to have faith, right? And so I guess the Lord is wanting to speak to somebody here. Pray in the Spirit whenever you have a chance. Even, even, so some people would probably say I'm weird just because I'm a Christian, and maybe I'm weird sometimes, but so... And I'm just reminded of this. In December of 2016, what I read to you was from November of 2016. Three months later, and you've heard me say this, I'm laying in the steam sauna. There's nobody in there because I don't want to do this while everybody's around. And I'm praying in the Spirit, and I hear the Lord say, Freedom Church will begin on your 50th birthday. So I'm telling you, And I needed to hear that, (laughs) didn't I? (laughs) I needed to hear that. I did. Pray in the Spirit. You're driving in your car. You're walking down the the hallway of your house, whatever, wherever. Please pray in the Spirit. And it's not, don't feel like you've got to pray in the Spirit for an hour. If God tells you to pray in the Spirit for an hour, pray in the Spirit for an hour. But I'm telling you, just two or three minutes can be life-changing. I was laying in the steam sauna. I had just been praying in tongues for a few minutes when when God spoke to me. Don't make a law out of it, but pray in the Spirit. It will help, I promise. Let's look at how Jesus lived his life here on this earth as the King of Kings. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. This is amazing. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God 
and died a criminal's death on a cross. I just want to remind everybody in here and within the sound of my voice, he died for you, for you and I. He did that for us. Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe that he wants to provide for you? Do you believe that he wants to heal you? I, I, did, I kept sensing also, babe, that at the end of the service, it's going to be a great time of prayer. He died for you. And sometimes in the middle of a, of a circumstance or a crazy situation or whatever, that's a great reminder to remind yourself, if he died for me, can he not fix this also? I mean, that, whatever, whatever you're dealing with, that's nothing compared to what he did on the cross for you. He's, he's got it. Most king's kids are born in palaces with all the amenities the world has to offer. Climate-controlled rooms, of course, I'm always going to think of that one. Comfortable beds, pillows, and blankets with the best of doctors and medicine, etc. A king's baby is is going to have the best, right? Let's read Luke 2.16 from the New Living. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, Jesus, lying in the manger. How many of you know what a manger is? From the Passion. So they hurried off and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby, there was the baby, the baby Jesus, lying in a feeding trough. He wasn't born in the air conditioning or the heat or in a comfortable bed. Man, the humility. The king of kings chose to leave paradise chose to leave heaven to come here for you, for myself. Yeah, go ahead. Luke 22, 24 through 27 in the New Living, listen to this. Sums it up so beautifully. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them, the disciples. Verse 25, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. Verse 26, but among you and I, it should be different. Those who are the greatest among us should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Verse 27, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, not in here, <laughs> for I am among you as one who serves. So this was so foreign to them, and I think in the body of Christ even today, it can get misconstrued so easily. Once again, you know, we talk about even creating a culture of honor, and it's just so easy to think, well, what we mean is we need to honor those that are, you know, Big, important people in high positions and have lots of authority or even lots of money or lots of fame or whatever it is. And he said, in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, it should not be so. The greatest among us 
should be the servant of all. And, you know, we, we were um, reading from Matthew 11, and everybody loves to read the end of that verse, you know, that says, um, are you weary and carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I'll refresh your life. I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways. You'll discover that I'm gentle and humble and easy to please. And you'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. But if we go all the way back up to the middle of chapter 11, Matthew 11, and I want to read in verse 20. This is how I know for a fact Jesus is talking about humility and laying down pride. She's reading from the Passion. Yeah, sorry, this is in the Passion. So Matthew eleven twenty, and And before verse 20, he's actually talking about John the Baptist. And what he's telling the people that day about John is that he was the greatest. Nobody ever would be a, as great a prophet ever that had ever lived than John the Baptist. And people made fun of him all the time because of the way he dressed, what he ate, the way he smelled, the way he talked, where he lived. They thought he was a joke. Jesus said he was the greatest. You see how differently he thinks? Then he goes on and he starts talking about some cities and towns and places he'd gone where he did miracles that would blow people's minds. And yet the people in that town laughed it off, just blew it off like it was no big deal and went back to their way of doing things. Verse 20, Jesus began to openly denounce the cities where he'd done most of his mighty miracles because the people failed to turn away from their sin and toward God. 21, he said, how tragic it's going to be for the city of Chorazin and how horrible for the city of Bethsaida. For, they, for if the powerful miracles that I performed in them had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they'd have humbled themselves and repented and turned from their sins. 22, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And Capernaum, he starts, you know, he's talking about all these different places. And he's like, like, it's not going to be good for you, okay? Then he gets, let's go down to verse 25. Then Jesus exclaimed, so right in the middle of this, he's rebuking these, these places, these people that are just walking around in pride, wouldn't humble themselves, wouldn't turn from their, their worldly way of thinking, from even their own sins. And he busts out in a prayer. Listen to this prayer. Again, this is Matthew 11, verse 25. Father, thank you, for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth, and you've hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and that think they are wise. But instead, you've unveiled it to the little children. Where was my baby girl right there? Man, instead, he chose to reveal his greatness to the humble, you guys, to the children. Verse 26, yes, Father, you've chosen this gracious plan to extend your kingdom. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father. No one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Now, who does he say he's going to unveil the revelation of the Father to? The humble. The humble. He's not withholding anything 
from us. I would venture to say that at any point and if for any reason in any of our lives that we have yet to walk into light or truth or grasp revelation, it is because of a root of something in us where we're still prideful. We're still hanging on <laughs> to the, our way. We want our way because it seems safe or it seems trustworthy or it seems, you know, I don't know. But he's saying, no, lay it all down. Come to me like a little child. Can, and I, can I, I say something right there? Yes. And I'll let you finish. When we want our way, we are seeing something that we think is better than God's way, whether we would verbally say that or not. But somehow we're not seeing what God is wanting to do. So we, so we can't imagine what he's wanting to do because it seems too hard or impossible or big so we can so we can see what we can figure out and that is nothing but pride and and I'm not being prideful in my humility but I I believe I said something about this Wednesday night I'm I'm pastoring this church simply because I just said yes, and, I, and, and I'm just trusting in God. There are many people that might be able to teach or do this better than I'm doing it, but I'm, I just keep saying yes, and if you'll just keep saying yes and stop trying to figure out how you can be qualified because you're not without him and you are with him to do whatever it is he's asking you to do, I can promise you, you will be doing in your life, whatever the whatever Freedom Church is in your life, you will be doing it. But you got to see what he is showing you and stop looking at what you can figure out. You can go off and do it, but you'll never be fulfilled. I don't care if you make millions of dollars. I don't care if you own everything this world has to offer if you are not doing what God wants you to do, you're never going to be fulfilled. And if you don't believe me, look at, look at the news or read some articles about the most important people on the, in the world that have all the money, and, and I'm being kind of sarcastic here, that are the most miserable people on the planet. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, hey, if you got four or five hundred thousand dollars and you want to buy a Bentley, go ahead. I, I think they're beautiful cars. <laughs> but it's but it's not whatever it is, the material object cannot be your God. You'll never be fulfilled. Or or living where you want to live or going where you want to go or doing what you want to do or serving who you want to serve, whatever whatever it looks like, and God's up here going He's, you're not going to change God's mind about his plan for your life. Just give it up. And I can promise you his plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. So his will has to be your will. And I'm speaking this, I'm passionate about this because I'm speaking it from experience. I, I lived the first 28 years of my life in my plan, and I was miserable that's why I drank the way I drank and did what I did so that I could go to sleep. But each day I had to wake up and I was miserable again. 
And so, yeah, you've, you've heard me talk about it. Cars were my God, man. As long as I was on the drag strip, I was so happy and excited. But if you got a fast car, it only lasts for 10 or 11, 12 or 13 seconds, and you go through the traps, and the adrenaline rush is gone, and you go back, and then you get your hands dirty because you broke something, and pull your ponytail out, so Tessa cut my hair off, and, you know, it's just, it's just all these different things, but I... I was, I, was, I was always happy for a few seconds out of 24 hours in a day, and then back to whatever it was, yeah. I hope that made sense. Yeah, anyway, that's go so ahead. good. So to end here, this is my favorite translation of Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and this is out of the message, and I know some of you know it, but I just want to finish with this because it's so powerful. And I'm going to change, I'm not... Um, being sacrilegious or anything, but I'm going to change this one little line in here because it applies and you'll <laughs> see what I mean. So again, Matthew 11:28 in the message. Are you tired or worn out or burned out on religion? You could say formulas, working to get to God or get something from God and it just isn't working. He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Notice he says recover. I don't care where you are tonight. He wants you to recover the life he's always purposed for you to live. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Or what if it were to say right here, I'll show you how to be a good mom. I'll show you how to be an amazing father. I'll show you how to be the best employee. I'll show you how to be a wise doctor, an, an amazing musician. I'll show you how to do A, B, C, or D. You could put anything in there. Walk with me and work with me, he says. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. See, we're taking it all the way back to the very beginning. It's relationship. There's no other way, guys. There's no formula or set of rules that is going to bring this to pass. He says, keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So can we all, you have something I want to share yeah. one, more, one more paragraph from the word that God spoke to me in September 2016. Please enjoy each day of your life. Even if it seems nothing exciting is happening, it's all exciting. It's your perspective and what you believe is exciting. See it all good. There's a process to everything I'm doing in your life. Everything takes time, and that's not a negative thing. And that's where so many of us get hung up is that, is that timing. Enjoy it. Amen. And so, you know what? Um, you said something about faith like a child. That we, or you were talking about the kids or whatever, but... and. I think, I don't know if it was you and I talking the other day when I said this, but I said something along the lines of, um, and, and we like to have the kids pray, but the kids, you tell them, 
Jesus, Jesus said it, and they're like, oh, okay, so I can do it. But then us adults, we've lived some life, and we're like, Jesus said it. It's like, but how can I do it? Man, we got to come back to that childlike faith and that, and that humility, regardless of some of the negative things maybe that we've experienced in life or, or we've prayed or been, prayed for somebody many times or been prayed for many times and go back to the Scripture. And it says, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. And so, let's see, let's see who in here is humble right now. Who, who needs prayer? Would you raise your hand? And listen, okay. if you need prayer, you keep your hands raised up. Why don't you go ahead and stand those that just raise your hands. Also, who in here would say, tonight I'm ready to just come to Jesus humbly like a child. And once again, recover my life. It's between you and the Lord. But would you be humble enough to raise your hand right now and say, I, that's me tonight. I'm ready. Doesn't matter where I've been, how it's been. Okay, go ahead and raise those that raise your hands. Just stand up where you're at. Amen. This is a family and we're in our living room right now. <laughs> and when family says, man, I'm ready to make a change, that means brothers and sisters, we gather around one another and say, I got you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to come alongside of you. We're going to walk this journey. We're going to see victory together. We so might there, cry a little bit. If there's somebody Amen. standing around you, Praise Go pray you, for him. Lord. You've got the Praise power of you, the Lord. Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Oh, Father, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your word that has fallen on the hearts of your children tonight. Thank you that fell on good soil, Lord. It's taking root. <laughs> and, Father, it's going to produce all that you desire. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have the whole world. Just give me Jesus. Oh, I just want you, Jesus. Oh, I just want you, Jesus. You can have the heavy burdens take all my cares I lay them at your feet tonight I just want Jesus I just want you Jesus you can have the stress, all the worries, they are yours. 
just want you, Jesus. You can have this whole world. Take it all tonight. I just want you, Jesus. Oh, thank you for your peace right now, Father, that is flooding every heart. Thank you that your perfect love casts out all fear. Thank you, you said, cast every care onto you, for you care for us affectionately and watchfully. So we do that tonight, Father. Humbly, with the faith of a child that says you care infinitely more than we could ever. So we just give it all to you tonight, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word that is alive. And thank you for your power toward us and in us. In Jesus' name, can we all just agree and say amen together? Amen. Thank you for listening. If this message blessed you, please subscribe and share this with a friend. You can tune back in next week for another great message from Freedom Church.